0: I'm a feminist, but I'm going to interrupt the beginning of my own podcast to tell you about the Royal Albert Hall. Now, there's only two weeks to go. It's on July 7th, 3pm in the afternoon, and I'm very excited to announce that on the sofa will be Mari Black, MP. I mean, literally one of the only MPs who gives us hope, and the youngest MP in living memory. Headlining the comedy will be Hannah Gadsby coming all the way over from America. So excited. And Claire Perkins will be doing the final burn the fucking house down speech from Amelia. If you got to see it, you'll know what that means. And if you didn't, you're going to get to see it. Also on the bill doing readings, sketches and comedy will be Rebecca Front, Adjoa Ando, Juliet Stevenson, Ashling B, Susan Macoma, London Hughes, Jessica Foster-Q, and Kiri Pritchard-McLean and Jade Adams leading us in a musical and a big song and dance number plus more music from the incredible Jess Robinson. There'll also be a little mini secret policeman with Amnesty including our classic twist on the four Yorkshire men, Monty Python sketch, the four Yorkshire women. I'm so excited about this show. It's really going to be wonderful. Get tickets at guiltyfeminist.com. There are still some seats on the Royal Albert Hall website, but if they're not the ones you want at the price you want, please go to the other ticket outlets that are listed on guiltyfeminist.com. Check them out and get tickets now. Before they all go, and we will see you on the afternoon of July seventh at the Royal Albert Hall. Don't miss it. And now, the podcast. I'm a feminist, but
1: when I told a friend recently that I was excited about the new series of Game of Thrones, she said, "Oh, I don't know. How you can watch that misogynistic tripe. It's just an excuse for nerdy men to perv on naked women." To which I replied, "Well." Actually, um, I think you'll find that all the female characters on Game of Thrones are often the strongest and have the most agency and the best story arcs. And in fact, uh, often the characters, you know, the ones that you're most invested in. So, there. She said, oh, shut up, Jen. Which one do you fancy? And I was like, how dare you? I I am watching that show for the narrative. (laughs) (laughs) And for the engaging storylines and for... the, the, the dragon one she's quite nice and uh, <laughs> also Cersei even though she's creepy i definitely
0: Cersei oh yeah she's the twin one of the twins yes. yeah okay yeah. people always tell me I look like Cersei oh really but, yeah it disappoints me because I know that what they mean is Cersei is a much better looking version of me <laughs> I, I, I like that that's how you took that, that compliment I'm a woman that's how we take compliments <laughs> you look like Cersei oh I see what oh, you mean yeah. oh yeah I see what you mean You mean, Cersei looks like a hot Deborah. (laughs) I know, I know. What's wrong with this? I don't know what's wrong with this. Deborah, at least you
1: don't get what I get, which is, oh, you really remind me um, of that bloke on... Then I'm like, okay, fine. Um,
0: I'm a feminist, but recently my friend, who's a freelancer, said to me, I don't really want to, but um, I'm thinking about going back to full-time work because I really, you know, I need to save some money and I'd really like to buy a flat... You know, so I might go back to full-time work or I might just meet an accountant. And I said, what, marry him? And she went, no, to talk through my financial options. (laughs) I genuinely thought, I might just meet an accountant. I was like, oh, go on Tinder and just narrow your search down. Sure, sure. Then stay freelance.
1: I'm a feminist, but when I hear women or other mums saying stuff like this, oh, I'm so glad I've got boys, um, because they're just so simple. (laughs) And I just love spending time with boys. And I mean, girls are just a nightmare, aren't they? I mean, you just never know what they're thinking. They're so manipulative. I find myself thinking, shut up, you stupid woman! Can't you see you're part of the problem?! Um, But I don't say anything. I just say, sorry, could I book this cervical smear or not?
0: (laughs) I'm a feminist, but the other day I went on the People's Vote March... ..in order to send a message to Parliament that anything but this, oh, my God, what a shit show... And so we put out that the Guilty Feminists could meet us all at the Quotidian because we thought, nice to have a continental breakfast to get us on our way. <laughs> this is the most middle-class thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it was Sam West's idea, and it was a good one. So we all met, so we all met. And there was like 50, 60 Guilty Feminists because it's nice. It's hard to go on a march on your own. Sometimes it's very intimidating. I don't like crowds. I know, I think it's wonderful. I just love that you met at the Quotidian. We did meet at the Quotidian. And we all got a croissant and a latte. And... Uh, <laughs> I mean, when they
1: sort of like the broad strokes describe Remainers as the elite, you just think, oh,
0: yeah. No, no, there were many, many. there think were so. No, there were many, many people on that march. I just think it's terrible that I'm not going to be able to fly to Paris as often as I used to. <laughs> Brexit's when... a bloody nightmare. I would never fly to Paris. I live around the corner from the no, Eurostar. Of course, star. you get the Eurostar. <laughs> of course so all these people met there and we had our Guilty Feminist signs and we took some pictures and stuff and then we said right are we ready to join the march and everyone said yes and so I set off as you know it was the Guilty Feminist crowd so everyone just started following me and I set off with this sign and then I whispered to Anna who was with me I was like do you know where we're going (laughs) and she went no I don't know where we're going and I said well I'm really bad at directions I said I'm really good at spirit (laughs) But I do not have two spatial skills to rub together. And so we then had to secretly Google, while marching confidently... (laughs) Yes, definitely know where the march is. And what I was doing was following other people with signs. But I thought, what if they're also following other people with signs? And what if everyone's just following someone else with a sign and we're all going in the wrong direction? I felt like Henry V. But, like... I suddenly realised what he must have felt like. Once more to the breach, dear friends, once more. I wonder if this is the way to the breach. It's probably the way to the breach. It looks breachy. Is there someone else going up there? He's probably going to the breach. I'll just follow that guy. Maybe the breach will appear. Oh, look, there's the breach. Come, people, what a leader I am. I always knew the way to the breach. Did you not, like, ask someone? People lose faith in you. If you I stop and it ask, does the... look, if you're like leading everyone, then just go. Sorry, is it? Is it, is it this way? No, <laughs> okay. it's a weak move. Take a left and then right. Okay, it's a weak. It's a weak move to stop and ask. I've just realised why men are like that. I've just realised why men don't stop and ask for directions. Normally I'd be happy to... uh, But when there's 60 people following you, you suddenly think, think I can't stop and ask for directions, they'll all lose faith. This is what it's like to be the patriarchy. Everyone's counting on you and you think, oh, I've been told I'm meant to go and know where I'm going and man up. I've just understood all of men's mental health problems and why they are like they are. And I feel for them. I I still feel no empathy for for them them. at all. Um,
1: delegate people. next time, send a canary down the mine just like have a little whisper to someone Go. you find out where we're going and then come back and...
0: that's what you do send a canary down the mine <laughs> send a feminist down a side street well, into I mean, a cul de on her own st- well strictly
1: speaking it's the main road isn't it you're in London, I mean she's not actually going down a mine but you might not ever see her again that is... I genuinely <laughs> think you should do another one <laughs> I'm a feminist but sometimes when I'm listening to Hamilton which, I don't know if you've seen it, it's absolutely fantastic. Have you seen it? Stop it. <laughs> anyway, it's a fantastic musical, but one where all the women in Hamilton, what is the point of all of them? Their only point is to love Alexander Hamilton. They've got no agency, they don't seem to do anything. They don't have a storyline that, revol- that just revolves around men. Oh God, it's obnoxious. Anyway, sometimes when I'm listening to the soundtrack, I get really emotional... And I have a little cry. <laughs> I love
0: it so much. Can I slightly defend Hamilton there? Try. Okay. Firstly, it's not Lynn manuel Miranda's fault that history is told from the point of view of men and that they were the ones with the power. But secondly, Eliza gets the last word in that show and it comes down to who lives and dies and tells your story and it basically at the end she gets the credit because we wouldn't know about her story unless she'd... His well, we wouldn't story know about, about his story... Down. Yes, that's, what, that's the whole point. She, yeah. We wouldn't know unless So she's... it's back to him again. OK. It's not
1: her story. It's not like, <laughs> who lives, who dies, who hears my... No one cares because I'm a
0: woman. It's that... That's the... No, that is the case, but... It says at the end she started an orphanage. <laughs>
1: And that that is definitely the thing that everybody remembers from the show. The thing I loved about the show is at the end when she talks about the orphanage. Mm. The orphanage. The orphanage.
2: I could play that part. Who lives,
1: who dies, who who talks about about the orphanage.
2: (laughs)
0: Live from King's Place in London, The Spotting Edge Shop presents The Guilty us with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest host Jen Bristler, and very special guests, Cara Sofoco, Lynn Enright, and Susie Bolton, talking about sex education. Beautiful work. And then, just right at the end, you just ejaculated your water all over the table. So as it should be shouldn't it I think we all agree that that I always yeah. make the joke about you bring you to a climax but we've never ended up with a wet patch before <laughs> it's only a small one it yeah. always is oh, <laughs> when you're we're talking about sex education today and when you first hear about the ejaculation you think it's going to be loads don't you you don't think who, it's going to who, be it's tiny who's? when you hear about s- who's ejaculating a man is ejaculating. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, when one hears about the, sperma, the spermatozoa being ejaculated, I think, how many people imagined it would be a lot more than it is? Just go, just go. So maybe, the lady at the front there. How much go, were you expecting? <laughs> <laughs> a just, river of
1: sperm. No. I asked. Doesn't them, it depend on the age of the man I'm ejaculating? Because I, you know, when you're young, I imagine it just, it's like a cannon, and then when you're older, it sort of <coughs> kind of just coughs up and dust and like you know. What's that in my eyes? Just a bit
0: of spaff, love. Oh, I thought it was some dust. Do you, does it? I ever, don't know. I'm a gay woman. What I do know? I know? Has anybody had any experience with an elderly man and can tell us if it eventually even, it's eventually just dust or middle aged? I don't think it turns to dust in middle age. I not I mean, but it sort of just kind of crawls out, doesn't it? <laughs> Luckily, we have some experts coming on later. And they are going to inform us of everything we don't know about sex, which apparently is everything. <laughs> this is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis-White. With me is Jen Brister. We're talking about sex education. <laughs> Jen, have you had a guilty week or a feminist week? It's Monday, isn't it? <laughs> I've
1: done anything. I've just... It's, I'm always having a feminist week. I live with a woman.
0: You <laughs> can't say you're a feminist just because you're a lesbian.
1: Yeah, it's just by default. That's it. We win.
0: <laughs> Is that true? If you're yeah, a lesbian, win. do you I'm just automatically they... get a feminist card, do you? I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, that's it. I mean, you've got to have some perks, and that's one of the perks of the job. And it's, sometimes it feels like a job. Um, <laughs>
0: I didn't know that all lesbians were feminists. Oh. Stop it, you.
1: <laughs> she doesn't know. Don't start letting the secret out.
0: Yes, that's absolutely 100% correct. And well, I don't want to hear another lesbian contradict me. Give us a cheer. I mean, is it all right to say... This is one of the only rooms where I think it would be right and proper and warm and inviting to say, give us a cheer if you're a lesbian. <laughs> Hello, my people. <laughs> Thanks, sir. So. Is it appropriate to say give us a cheer if you're bi or pansexual? Hmm. Oh, Oh, just normals in. Get out. (laughs) Give us a cheer if you're straight, but you think that's possibly only because of the patriarchal environment in which you were raised. (laughs) And, And had you been raised in an environment where all sexual orientations were... Equally celebrated, you would most naturally see yourself as pansexual and you would see heterosexuality as a strange and odd narrowing down of your options. That's how I feel. That's it. exactly what I suspected yeah. when I was at school, but I'm so glad. That's exactly what it is. I that is exactly That's the truth. That's exactly what yeah, it is. That's just exactly a,
1: what it is. Just the patriarchy. I don't one. really
0: believe... I didn't get laid. What? What? <laughs> I just don't really believe anybody... No is so rigid. I mean, a few people probably oh come on. are. There's,
1: there are plenty of... There's a lot of rigidity, t- isn't there? <laughs> I don't fr- know. I mean, I've just heard from you straight women. I don't know. but
0: um, That is a lesbian, Freudian slip if I've ever rigidity, heard rig- Rigidity. There's,
1: there's a lot of frigidity. Um, no, you um, said rigidity.
0: Rigidity. <laughs> you definitely said rigidity. Well,
1: if you're going to have anything ri- rigid, it should,
0: for me, it's nice if it's your titties, yeah. <laughs> Where is this going and can we edit it out? No, no. This is my favourite part of any podcast I've ever done now, Rigidity. <laughs> in fact, should we start a new spin-off podcast called Rigidity, Rigidity. with yeah, Jen Brister? That. I think people to that. Next on Radio 4, Rigidity with Jen Brister. I can see it being, I'll pitch that to Radio 4. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're going to say no, but I'd love to be in the pitch meeting. I'd love to be in the room when we have that oh, discussion. Yeah, Rigidity.
3: Hello, Guilty Feminists. It's Jessica Regan here from the Big Speeches Workshop. You might remember an episode last year called Women Fighting on Stage and Screen, episode 118, where Jessica Hines talked about her brilliant film, The Fight, and I talked about a play I was in called The Sweet Science of Bruising that looked at female underground Victorian boxing. I am delighted to tell you that The Sweet Science of Bruising is back and it's bigger and better than ever. It's on at the Wilton's Music Hall, the venue of our dreams, running for the whole month of June. It is the fierce, fabulous, feminist play of my dreams. And it has a female writer, a female director and a largely female cast. So if you would like to support some feminist art anytime soon, please do come along. It is a wonderful, passionate, beautiful, cathartic play. And I really think you'd enjoy it. So tickets start at 12.50 and I'd love to see you there. Thank you. Bye.
0: Please welcome to the stage, the wonderful Jen Preston!
1: So we're talking about sexual... sexual education. Is it sexual education? It's not, is it? It's not sexual... It's, um... <laughs> Can you imagine being at school today we're going to talk about sex to old Excuse me while I barf into my trousers. Um, sex Ed, for some bewildering reason, this government has a problem with talking about uh, sex with children. Uh,
4: with... That came out wrong, didn't it? We're oh, talk about sex with the kids
1: how old's this one? No, we can't do that. Look, that's, you know what I mean and stop looking at me like that, you weirdos. Um, I was just thinking about this because, um, you know, I think a lot of the time now where we get our, where young people are getting their sex ed from, where they're getting their information from, I think it's probably the internet because if you're not getting it from school, and if your parents aren't keen to have this chat with you, you're gonna get, you just go to the internet, don't you? Now, I grew up in a time, in the old days, where the internet didn't exist, if you can imagine such a thing. Um, do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember that? Do you remember a time when there was no internet, and maybe you'd meet up with a friend?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> the end. Um, so, for me, when I was growing up, if you wanted, you know, like me, wanted to see some tits, you'd have to look at the Littlewoods catalogue. That was it. I mean, there was porn, but it was sort of top shelf. And when you were like, you know, 10, 11, you can't get hold of that shit. Or, if you were feeling really creative, what you do is you and your mates, or you, it was me and my brothers, we'd just look up rude words in the dictionary.
4: Look up, bum. What does he say about bum? Look up, dick. What does he say? Look at vagina. What is it so (laughs) perfect? Oh, (laughs) lovely.
1: You you won't get that unless you're over the age of 40, actually. We were all doing that. Anyway. I think there were just fundamental gaps about lots of things, but between my generation, Generation X and millennials, even around something as simple as, like, our... 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 Our body parts. (laughs) I don't know why I'm like it's a dolphin or something. I just mean our (laughs) flippers in the corner. Um, There are no dolphins between my legs. Um, But, okay, I got into a conversation with a friend of mine, also a stand-up comedian. She's a lot younger than me. She's in her 20s. And I don't know how we got into this conversation, but I basically told her that I wax my own vagina. Right? Not the whole thing. (laughs) And I said to her, what I do is I, I wax the sides and have a little trim on top. And she said to me what are you talking about? And, I, and I, I started to lose a little bit of faith. I was like, oh, I, well, I, I just wax the sides there and there, and then what I like to do is just give it a little bit of a trim on top. She said, what are you talking about? I said, well, what are you talking about? She said, are you trying to tell me that you've got pubes? I said, mate, I'm 44. (laughs) The last time I didn't have pubes, I was nine. (laughs) I said, what are you trying to tell me? That you don't have pubes? She went, no, mate. Take them all off. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, I'll take them all off. I said, will you take it all off? She says, yeah, babe. I'll take it all off. Every single bit of it. I said, what? (laughs) What? Even the (laughs) hand? She said, oh, no, Jen, i like to keep that because I want my vag to look like an ageing Hasidic Jewish man.
2: <laughs>
1: when she coughs, the Old Testament pops out. It's absolutely <laughs> true that. I think it's, it's just an interesting thing because, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in my 40s and any woman over the age of 40, she'll have a growler. She'll have a growler. I've got a growler. Any woman in the room here tonight, she'll have a growler, right? And I'm very proud of my growler, I'll tell you why. Because I'd rather my chuff look like Captain Caveman than her fucking Pig. <laughs> and we're at this weird point now in the West, you know, in a very privileged West, where on the one hand we're trying to combat FGM, where we're saying don't cut. We shouldn't cut girls. No cutting. And on the other hand, with all the privilege that we have as women, we're doing crazy stuff like vaginoplasty. Do you know about this? Have you heard of vaginoplasty? Have you heard of it? If you don't know what it is, I'll explain it to you. It's basically where a woman is unhappy with the way her vagina looks. And so what she does is she gives her flaps a trim. I kid you not. Give them a trim. Yeah? Yeah? I don't know when our vaginas had to start looking like manila envelopes. Do you know what I mean? We just tuck it all in. I mean, when did that start happening? And just to say to any straight women who are unhappy with their vaginas or their flaps or their labia, relax. Relax, there isn't a straight man or a gay woman in the world that's finally been allowed down there and gone, oh no, it's too busy. It's too too much going on here, I can't cope with that. What's that? You need a degree in origami to get around this. What's going on? It took me absolutely years to come out of the closet. Years. By the time I got out of the closet, I got to the point a woman actually let me. Consensually was like, "Yes, you can." I was like, oh, "Dear God!" I was so grateful. I wouldn't have cared if it had squint and teeth. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, "Oh, thank you." I wouldn't mind. But men don't have to have the same issues around their body parts. Like, they're—I mean, they're knackers. I mean, what the hell's going on with your bollocks? You're like two geriatric burns victims. <laughs> no one's ever said, "Oh, mate, you better do something." But I can't. I can't. No bloke's ever got. A, oh, I hope she. Oh, she gets down there. What? Mm. Will it make her sad to look at those two? Maybe I should dip them in some glitter or put put a smiley face on them. Lokes don't worry about their knackers. I mean, you know, as women we're always like having to like tuck up our flaps, tuck up our tits. No one's tucking up their balls, are they? No blokes going, oh, they look like they're a bit long. They're like ah. <laughs> banging between your knees like some sort of fucking Newton's cradle. No one can <laughs> I blame well, I blame pornography. This is what I blame pornography, because it's mis it's misleading. You know, I mean porn is where most people are going to find out information about their bodies about what their bodies should look like you know, young people thinking, young women thinking that they shouldn't have hair on their body that's absurd, young men thinking that they are allowed to have balls that look like that not dip them in some glitter Um, (laughs) no but it's confusing. It's a confusing thing. You know, like, if you, and you know, if you watch any kind of pornography, the porn I've seen is just watching women with vaginas I don't recognise doing things that are, frankly, unspeakable.
5: <laughs> and you know what?
1: Young men, young boys, are going to be watching porn because that's how they're going to access their sex education. They'll be watching pornography, and they'll be thinking, she looks like she loves that. She looks like she bloody... She looks like she loves
4: it in here. <laughs> It. Oh, she looks like she loves it in her. Off ri- her nose, she looks like she bloody loves it. Look, there's another one. Stick another dick in there. In her eye. She looks like she loves it in her
1: eyeball. Stick it.
5: Seventeen
1: cocks in the face. She looks like <laughs> she loves it. Oh, yeah, she loves it. <laughs> she does not. Even lesbo porn I don't know what's going on there. I mean, I don't want to be graphic or upset anyone, but... Even if you... All right, I will. <laughs> I mean, what's going on? Les I mean, you know it's directed by men, it's not for women. Pornography it isn't for women, it's not for young women. It's not for any woman, basically. Even if you're thinking, well, I'll have a look at the lesser stuff that looks a little less... Uh... I mean, good luck. I mean, I just want to take this woman to one side and just go, could you at least take the acrylic nails off? Because that is terrifying. <laughs> what that lesbians get up to in bed just know it doesn't help if you've got nails like that I'm looking at these two women I think they're going to go at each other this doesn't look like sex this looks like a a showdown between Freddy Krueger and Wolverine if I saw a woman coming at me with nails like that I'd be like shut up shop love it's all over I'll shut that up right now Last bit of porn, and I'll leave you on this. Last bit of porn that I saw was two women, very beautiful Slavic women, absolutely no pubic hair, obviously no no labia, seemingly just like Barbies, and um, and I thought I don't even know what's going on here. This is spherical breasts. You know when the sort of boobs are just under your chin, because that's where they are naturally, aren't they, girls? Your boobs, your boobs are just here, just just by your shoulder blades. That's where my... I mean, God, mine I'm 44. I mean, like, if I lift up this top, you'll... You'll just... In my belt. Like little pitterbreads. Anyway. I don't... I don't care. Um... And these women, these beautiful women, they're very slurping, beautiful ladies. And this is, again, just evidence that we can't rely on pornography to educate our children. Also, another thing that happens with lesbians during sex, apparently pornography is dancing. There's a lot of dancing. Hey, how are you? Are you having a good time? I'm having a wonderful time. I didn't know I needed a degree in dance before I could start having sex with my partner. Hey, how are you? i would be honest with you, lesbian sex takes long enough as it is. If there was a dance routine beforehand, We'd be there for months. I'd be like, oh, love, I'm gonna have to put the grill on and let's get a bacon sandwich going. I've got to keep up the energy. Anyway, one of them lay down. She was in ecstasy. Nothing had happened, no one had touched her. She was like, I'm in ecstasy. And the other woman just sort of started to put her hands just above her minky, just, just sort of like, like this, kind of like moving it above her minky, not touching her minky, just over it. And this woman was in ecstasy. This is incredible, I'm having the best time! And I was watching it and I just thought, I, didn't know, I, was like, I don't know if the director had been watching a lot of magic shows. <laughs> but I was like, you better pull a rabbit out of that twat
2: or I'm leaving. Like, Thank you
1: very much!
0: just interrupting your podcast listing briefly to say that if you are in America, you can currently see Say My Name. It's extended into some cinemas for a second week after a particularly good review in The Hollywood Reporter. I know, it's proper. And it is also available streaming. If you want to find out how to stream the film and you live in Canada or America, go to saymynamemovie.com and you'll have all the details. And I'll let you know when it's going to be released in other parts of the world, including the UK, as soon as I know. Now, I told you that Hannah Gadsby is going to be headlining at the Royal Albert Hall and she's doing a full 20 minutes for us. You're really going to see something. But she is also doing a brand new show, which will be coming to the UK in the autumn. It's called Douglas and it's a follow-up to Nanette. It'll be different from the set she's doing at the Royal Albert Hall. It's a spectacular show that's already getting incredible reviews in America. Now, this is a worldwide tour. She's currently in America. She's coming to Europe She's coming to the UK, to London, Oxford, and Edinburgh. And she is also going to be in Australia and New Zealand. So wherever you are in the world, you can see Douglas. And to get tickets to that, and you won't want to miss it, go to hanagadsby.com.au. Finally, The Guilty Feminist, along with Amnesty International, has brought back the legendary Secret Policeman brand. And we are doing some incredible shows across the UK this year. We just did a wonderful one at the Hackney Empire. There's going to be one at the Edinburgh Festival. Book tickets for that and the Guilty Feminist up there at edfringe.com. And there's also going to be one in Manchester on December the 3rd. But in line with that, we are doing something every single week that allows the Secret Policeman to really engage you with human rights. Every Friday, British time, between 3 and 4 p.m., let's face it, what are you doing anyway? You're not working anymore. You're having a little scroll on Facebook. We are doing truth to power hour. And truth to power hour means that Amnesty picks an issue each week and together for one hour, we blitz it. So last week we all tweeted Sajid Javid, the Home Secretary, about allowing refugee families to be reunited. The week before we all tweeted the president of Iran about Nazanin. We're all coming together to make videos, be creative, be crafty, and speak truth to power for one hour. Now, if you can't do it at this time or you live internationally and you want to participate, just go to the website amnesty.org.uk and follow the instructions for whatever's happening in Truth to Power Hour. Or you can follow at Amnesty UK, Or obviously, follow Amnesty in whichever country you're in. But if you're in the UK, try and make it every Friday, 3 to 4 p.m. Or even if you do something on Friday outside those hours, it's really going to help the issue start to trend. And together, honestly, governments do listen. If there's enough pressure, they often don't want to die on that hill. So if you're feeling a bit disconnected, you're thinking, oh my God, how do we even start to address the terrible things that are happening in the news? Come together with us in Truth to Power Hour. Find a way of joyfully spreading the message Get on your Instagram stories. Get on your Twitter. Tell a real human being. Make a make a sign for the back of your car in on the school run. But let's all come together for Truth to Power Hour once a week and see if we can make a change. And don't forget to hashtag #SecretPoliceman at Amnesty UK at guiltfempod and hashtag Truth to Power Hour. Okay, I look forward to seeing you there. And back to the podcast. So our guests today are the director of campaign group Level Up, the author of the book Vagina, A Re-Education, and the founder of Teaching the Talk. Please welcome Kara Sofoko, Lynn Enright, and Susie Bolting. (laughs) Hello, hello. Please come down, introduce yourself for the mic.
6: Hello, I'm Carissa Foco, and I run a feminist campaign group called Level Up. You can join at www.welevelup.org. Hello, I'm Lynn
7: Enright. I'm a freelance journalist, and I'm the author of Vagina, a re education, a book about vaginas and the myths about our vaginas and why those myths exist and how we can smash them.
5: I'm Susie. I'm an advisor and facilitator at Sexo Charity, Sex and I'm setting up youth-facilitated teacher training with the group Teaching the Talk.
0: Great. So um, later I'm going to share some of the misunderstandings that I had when I was a kid. But I'd love to come to you first, Susie. So you are, if you don't mind me saying, terribly young. I am. (laughs) Um, is it rude to ask you how old you are? I'm
5: 19.
0: And yet you're doing... <laughs> that didn't go down I mean, as what, well as we what, hoped. What, so we're what? Like, what? What were you doing at 19? Yeah. So you're doing teacher training for sex ed? Yeah, so I don't
5: know who's kind of aware of sex ed. It's kind of taken over my life a little bit. But a new curriculum is coming in and I kind of think young people is who the curriculum is for. So we should be in the best place to train teachers on how to deliver it and help teachers feel comfortable and safe delivering sex ed.
2: <laughs> this
5: generation
1: Amazing. blows me away. I know, I was just thinking about what I was doing at 19. I think I was smoking weed
0: and wanking. I definitely wasn't going <laughs> to <laughs> change well, anyone's mind. But. One of the many things that makes me think I've done a sliding doors and gone into a parallel universe, one of the many things is Trump. It's implausible. Putin, Brexit. But also the fact that teenagers are the people talking the most sense does that not make you think you might be in a parallel universe and all of this might be upside down Wonderland world? Um, because this is really brilliant what you're doing. I want to know more about my vagina, Lynn. Sure. I don't know anything about it really to speak of. Okay. Backstage we were saying that we thought that vulvas. Vulva, it should be a vulva. Is it meant to be a vulva? Well, <laughs> but, but then I'll. Well. God, what is it? Well,
7: the, the vulva is the vulva and the vagina is the vagina, but the vagina is the bit Let's inside. Let's the whole
0: thing up. Yeah. yes, no. So
7: uh, that's just an easy, an easy way to think of it. So the vagina is inside, and the vulva
1: is outside. Exactly. So when so you're anything... referring to your vagina, yeah. Is it more accurate to say
7: vulva? Because yeah. most people
1: do mean vulva when they're talking about the vagina. Yeah.
7: Uh, when I first started to write the book, I thought that, you know, it doesn't really matter. We can say vagina when we mean vulva. What's the harm in that? What's the harm? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there, mm. is there is some harm. There is some, there harm. Is some harm. There is some harm. Yep. Yep. Stop it. Yeah, yep. You are harming. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's a little pedantic, but, but if you don't call it a vulva and you just call it a vagina, you're sort of calling the whole thing a hole or, you know, a tube and a hole where a penis can go and a baby can come out and that's what a vagina is. But actually... God, I haven't used my
1: vagina ever. Yeah.
7: Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I've never
1: used my vagina I'm 100% vulva girls
0: yeah. <laughs> that's a good t-shirt for you 100% vulva I'm 100% vulva that, that should be show. we're pitching to, to that's radio the call. podcast Jen Brister Jen is 100% vulva, is 100% vulva. <laughs> actually I've got I think it's still
1: time for me to change my Edinburgh show title
7: <laughs> because we have to talk about the clitoris right and the labia and those other fun bits
0: and they're so, all vulva and bits. they're all vulva
7: yeah, so the vulva is the whole thing, including oh, the clitoris vulva. and the labia and the fundus. So the vulva is the whole thing except the hole? It's the opening of the hole. So the vulva includes the vaginal opening, but then once you get in there, that's the vagina. So
0: <laughs> if you're penetrated mm. by a tampon, a penis, mm. or other paraphernalia, <laughs> yeah, whatever, a rampant rabbit, any of yes. those pieces of equipment, So many. <laughs> that is hitting the vagina. Yeah. But anything I can see is a vulva. Yeah.
7: Yeah, I think that's...
1: Unless I've got way. Unless I've got
0: special camera. Yeah. Can, can, I, can I ask one question?
1: Your book is about the myths and what have you about... vagina. Is there one that perhaps a lot of us, or the most common one that we're like, oh, you probably think this, but actually it's this? Apart from the vagina vulva thing, which yeah. has already foxed me.
7: I found the hymen really interesting. <sighs> To think okay. about and talk about the hymen. You know, I think there is this idea that the hymen is like a sort of covering protecting a, a young woman's
0: virginity. A manhole, if you will. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or yes. a womanhole. Yes. If you're cis. A cis womanhole.
7: But actually, for people with vaginas, the hymen is, it comes in lots of different flavors flavors yeah it can be different shapes in very rare cases it will sort of act like a covering but that's not usually how it exists it's sort of like a crescent and it might just disappear on its own hormonal changes might kind of mean that it disappears some women don't have any hymens Karis let's bring you in
2: because you're dying to come in I can see at
0: hymens yes yes. (laughs) uh, so tell us about because Level Up's really going into sex education now
6: We are. So, actually, for about a year, we've been campaigning for better sex education. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the update to the curriculum, um, it's the first time in 18 years. What? So, that's right. If you're you're my age and you went to school a few years ago and you had the weird lesson where the teacher awkwardly told you to put a condom on a banana, Mm. kids are getting the same lessons. They're not currently being taught about the internet. So, Uh, a whole
0: human person who can vote has gone by before yeah. the government have gone, maybe this is a bit old
4: school.
6: Yeah, maybe maybe time for an update. So the good news is that mm. we've got a new draft curriculum that's going to be in English schools by 2020. So that's good news. We can cheer. Yeah. Woo! And consent is part of that <gasps> curriculum. That's right. And so well done. 15% of all the consultation responses were from Level Up members. So well done to all Level Up members who took the time to fill out a boring government consultation, it worked. And so now there's a bit of a back and forth about, we call them traditional groups, (laughs) family values groups, who don't like the idea of people learning about uh, sex in school, primary or secondary Uh, school. Any sort of sex. Any sort of sex whatsoever, and especially any relationships that aren't between a straight cis man and a straight cis woman. That's the next phase of the campaign. So So uh, we've been
0: hearing a lot about that on Twitter.
6: Yes. What I find odd, though, when they say we don't want them to learn
0: about gay people at school, I'm like, what the fuck year do you think we're living in? In all parts of the UK except Northern Ireland, gay people can get married. There'll be a neighbour, an uncle, an aunt, whatever. And also, kings of chat on telly, Graham Norton, Alan Carr, Sue Perkins, Bake Off gave that crown to Sandy Toxvig who also took over QI from Stephen Fry. Do you honestly think these kids don't know, don't, who gays know are? D- don't know what gay is. Like they can't not know what gay is. They they watch YouTube for God's sake. There's loads of gay on that. <laughs> there is loads of gay on that I can confirm that. <laughs> Susie, you're teaching teachers how to sex educate. How does this come in for you. Topics like consent, LGBTQ+, which shouldn't be a topic, it's just human beings having sex. It's ridiculous. But how... So that was someone almost applauded me there, and I stopped it. Um, <laughs> feel free to applaud me any time on your own. <laughs> just I don't mind if it's a one-person standing ovation, I will take it. Um, Susie, how does this affect you teaching teachers?
5: I think it makes me realise how naive some parents are. I don't walk into a classroom of young people and they go... LGBT, what? Like, they all know what LGBT means. Every young person that I've come into contact at least recognises the acronym. So the idea to say, oh, young people don't know this. We should keep them, you know, in this kind of closed-off world is just naive. They need a safe space to understand and talk about it. And young people are gay themselves, It's not a revelation. Like, we have gay young people. That happens. Shock, shock.
1: Um, Don't start at 40. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you do, but then you regret it. If you're
0: gay, don't delay.
5: (laughs) I'd wear that slogan. I would wear that on a T-shirt. I think what I find worrying is that teachers themselves feel really scared to talk about especially gender identity in case of saying the wrong thing and i have sympathy for them the first time i stood up in front of a classroom of young people i literally wanted to run away from them or like cry (laughs) but i really want teachers to know that young people are not expecting them to be these kind of like human beings of all knowledge it's fine you didn't get sex ed so we don't expect you to know everything And sometimes not knowing all the vocabulary is not what you need to do. You just need to be a supportive teacher. That's it, at the end Mm. of the day.
0: And also, we're going into a new world with gender fluidity, pronouns, non-binary. Human beings have always been non-binary. Human beings have always been trans. But we're in a new and exciting space where people can own it. They can self-identify. And groups can say, hey, this is how we'd like you to talk about things. But I've learnt that actually just bravely having a go at it with a good spirit is the only way you can learn. You will screw up. That's okay. You'll, you'll, it'll be so normal in a few years' time. And we won't believe that we were ever scared of talking about it. But it's right now, you might think, oh, I might misgender somebody.
5: It's also better to be an ally where somebody knows that you're there than to ignore it completely and leave them feeling like nobody cares about them. As a teacher, if you can be an ally and say, I might not understand it, but I want to be there for you, that's going to be so much more supportive for that young person in the long run than you saying, I really don't want to use the wrong pronouns, so I'm just going to pretend that they don't exist and like, ignore them every time I see them in the corridor and it's really embarrassing. <laughs> that's not going to help anyone yeah. in the long that's, run.
0: Well, yeah. You'd rather be visible and have somebody learn to be in your space rather than just, oh, I'm going to turn and run. That's going to make people paranoid. How much, Lynn, is it important for us to understand our own biology in order that we can be truly educated in this way.
7: Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's really amazing that we're going uh, that pe- young people are going to be taught about consent. I think that's so, so, so important. And I also feel like they need to be taught about anatomy and basic biology. And I feel like if we kind of can do the two things, so that if we start with the basics, so, you know, if you start with the fact of what even you know, vulvas look like. So before you see porn, like you know, we were talking about earlier, kids can Google vaginas and vulvas, they can take a look. And if that's the first time that they see that and they're seeing uh, vulvas that have had labiaplasty, so they're seeing vulvas that aren't actually, you know, the way they were made, and that's the first time they see them, they're going to get a distorted view. So we need to start at the very beginning, I think, and start with the anatomy and then talk about things like consent and pleasure. And, I mean, I think, you know, until I started to write this book, I was really uh, ignorant of what some What made you
0: want to write it?
7: I'm a journalist, and a lot of the time when I was editing or writing work about abortion and the repeal of the 8th campaign in Ireland, uh, but also about miscarriage, I felt like there was a real response to that, because they're still taboo subjects, and so I felt like women and people with vaginas wanted to have discussions, and that there needed to be somewhere that we could have those discussions. And so then just started researching and realised that there was so much I didn't know, like, for example, that the clitoris extends inside the body uh, for inches. I did not know that until
6: around a year Carous ago. Paris looks frightened. I'm just, I'm learning so much. Yeah, I know. Everyone, everyone in the audience can see my very dramatic reactions. <laughs> Do we have any questions from the audience?
0: We don't always take questions from the audience, but I feel it's a subject that audience might have questions on. Does anyone have a question? Because Tom's run for the mic now, so could someone think of one? There's one. Oh, oh, there's got got one in the front row
3: dying to ask this question Um, I find what you're saying is amazing and inspiring and I want to know more but as a mom of two boys I want to know what's the right time to teach this education because I have a discussion with a group called women's circle we meet up once a month we talk about stuff that we want to share but we also fight about when we can let them know primary school age secondary college what would you say is the best... And again, if it's Roman Catholic, if it's not, you know... What's the
0: right time? So
3: this might be one to start this with, This is good Susie. for me,
0: because I'd love to know this as well.
3: I
5: think when you give your child a phone, they will know things that you don't know they know. And if you are open with your child and you say, you can come to me any they will come to you with the questions. But also, as a parent, be aware they might not want to talk to you. And that's not me saying that parents don't have a place in their child's sex education at all. It's more me saying that, I don't know, I don't want to talk to my mum about stuff. I think letting them come with the information to you because they will know when they're ready to know about stuff.
1: So you shouldn't maybe invite them to watch porn with you? and No. Go, right, OK,
2: <laughs> if you see yeah. what he's
1: doing there, she's not enjoying that. Um, yeah. Don't do that, that's wrong. Um, Spend more time in this area. No.
5: Yeah, I'm I'm sex positive,
6: but <laughs> okay, uh, fine, that fine. might be a step fine, fine, too fine. far. Fine. I think. Karis, what do you think? Well, one thing to know about the new curriculum that's coming in is that from 15, young people will be able to opt into sex education. So, three terms before your 16th birthday, if your parents have. That seems so late to me. Yeah uh, yeah I mean well basically from primary school age onwards young people will be learning about relationships but the new rules which I'm really in favour of say that if your parents have yanked 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 (laughs) you out of sex education classes from 15 you can say I want to learn I want to opt in. Oh a um, child
0: can opt in without their parents permission. Yes so
6: three terms before you're 16 so when you're 15 is the actual so basically uh, from 15 onwards they can ask to Anyway, and I think you're right. As soon as you've got a phone and access to the internet. So I don't want to get too geeky, but uh, it'll be relationships education in primary school, sex and relationships, and then health. and Basically, there's, it won't, you won't have to learn about sex until you're 15. And at the moment, the big thing going on is, do parents have the right to take their children out of those classes? I mean, my opinion as someone without kids, who doesn't love to hear someone without kids' opinion, is I think it's always going to be awkward and as soon as you're comfortable talking about it is the right time to do it. And we just also echo, once you've got access, I don't know if people have nieces, nephews, godchildren, children, once you've got access to the internet, you can see it all.
0: You don't also need to say everything. Sometimes a child wants a simple answer to a simple question. You think, oh my God, they're going to need to know everything. I had a friend whose kid came in and said... You know, mummy, where am I from? And they sort of gave the whole lecture. And I was, the kid was only four, and they gave the whole lecture and diagrams. And then the kid said, "Oh, because Luke next door said he was from Stoke on Trent." <laughs> and...
4: Hello, guilty feminists. Hello, I'm Margaret K. Bond Smith. I'm Jessica Foster Q. You know us off this podcast during the middle of listening to Yeah, We are here because we want to tell you about a play that we're both in called Brexit. Don't be put off by the name. No, it's nothing um, like the real Brexit. No, it's actually really good. It knows what it is. It lasts an hour and fifteen minutes, rather than a lifetime. <laughs> lifetime of hell. Um, it's very sort of clever and funny, and it's quite feminist, isn't it? In the sense that we're both very we're. Um, high, very status. high status yeah. women in it neither
2: of us are in bikinis no any point. I've got I've
4: been allowed a suit for it and a yes. um, long time ago trouser suit trouser suit. yeah one as was yeah. So
7: there are f- no skirts yeah, in yeah. is
4: it it's more guilty than feminists say. feel quite sexy in a trouser suit <laughs> <laughs> no um, I no did, it's just
7: that we're not used to having any power no we're not sure, used to so having any power as
4: comedians and actors <laughs> a long time ago I did a law degree and I've had friends from university see the press pictures for this play and say the road not taken and, um, <gasps> of course you
2: could have In a way, I'm
4: basically, this is as close, as being in this play is as close as I'll ever get to making my mum happy with my (laughs) career. So please come and watch it. Please come and support us. It's brilliant, funny, clever, clever play. And there's a special offer for Guilty Feminist listeners. All tickets are only £15 with the offer code BREXIT15. Yeah, go to kingsheadtheatre.com for tickets and we will buy you drinks afterwards. That's a bit much, that won't happen. Not guaranteed. No, not guaranteed.
0: is alright to talk about Tom Selinski is it right to talk about you yeah okay so Tom Selinski who I'm married to like I didn't have any sex education at all as a child I came home from camp at the age of 12 and said to my mother is this true and described sexual intercourse to her and she said yes and I said why didn't you tell me about it she said I didn't think you needed to know and I said did you do that with daddy and she said well I certainly didn't do with anyone else darling and that was the end of my sex education (laughs) so I didn't have yeah. but Tom his dad was a doctor so he had a book when he was, a base, you know, basic, like, this is the, how the digestive system works. It's a factory. This is how the reproductive organs, this is a factory. It's all a factory. It's fine. it's a factory. And he said, when he asked questions, I said, when did you find out about sex? He said, when did you find out about apple crumble? Because it's the same. Like, he said, I didn't, I, was, I didn't know what he said. And he said, yeah, it is. He said, it's just, you know, when, it's just a thing, you know, it's just, he said, it was all the questions were answered Medically and scientifically, and it was never a big deal. Whereas in my house, there was a sort of hush around it and a sort of things children shouldn't know. So I think we give them simple answers that they can understand. And as it goes on... I mean, I, the first time I understood that a penis was erect was when I was looking at it <laughs> in real life. <laughs> and I think that's... that's I'm going to go with that's too late. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings me... Which brings me to my little segment, which is uh, jokes I didn't understand as a child because I had no sex education. Okay, All right. When I watched the movie Grease, Rizzo said she skipped a period at school and was very upset and cried so much she had to sing a song. I couldn't understand her trauma because I thought she meant she'd skipped a period like a lesson. It's not that big a deal, I thought, Rizzo. And how is it Kentucky's fault? (laughs) Kentucky said that his insurance policy had broken. I couldn't understand how an insurance policy could break. It's written on paper, I thought. Surely you just put it back together with sellotape. Why is Kentucky so concerned? And why is everybody telling everybody, telling everyone at school that Kentucky's insurance policy has broken? Now I'm going to put it to the expert panel. What was Kentucky's insurance policy, really? A condom. A condom, that is correct. It was a condom. I did not understand that until I was 25. (laughs) I re-watched and I went, oh. Kenny Everett Show, does anyone remember the Kenny Everett Show? Years ahead of its time, absolutely full of filth, but all coded because it was on the BBC. Um, Although he did a lot of it in suspenders and a bra. Um, this is, now, my father was not a man for dirty jokes. Everything was sort of... <clears throat> none of that business. However, I do remember him once laughing at a dirty joke, but I only worked out about 20 years later that it was dirty. There was a cartoon in Kenny Everett where someone is making a statue of animated Kenny and his girlfriend, and the man asks, would you like them mounted? And he said, oh, no, holding hands will be fine. <laughs> And my father laughed at that. <laughs> Only time I heard him laugh at a judge joke. I didn't get it till 20 years later. But I'm delighted, in retrospect, that he laughed at it. <laughs> Just to the panel, what did he mean by mounted?
5: Hmm. How did
0: he mount home?: <laughs> Exactly. What kind of mounting?
5: That's what I don't know. I, no, it was
0: a plinth. A plinth. A plinth. It means put them on a plinth. Um, LAUGHTER A joke on the Dave Allen show uh, where a little boy went to the butcher and the butcher said, I bet I know where you got that coat. And the little boy said, where? And he said, on your back. And he went home to his mum and he thought, I'm going to try out this joke on my mum. And he went in and he found his mum in the bedroom admiring herself in a new fur coat. He thought, brilliant, what a great time. Perfect time. And he said, mum, I bet I know where you got that coat. And she said, where? And he said, on your back. And she said, I don't know how you found out, son, but here's 10 quid, don't tell your father. <laughs> I thought about that joke so hard. And I asked my mum to explain it, and she fobbed me off. And I, st- I just thought about it for years. It would come back to me in the night. I've only just got it now. And finally, the most embarrassing one... We were doing a play at school called Cabbages. And it was about... It was a weird, surreal play. You know, sort of like an Ionesco-type thing, where it was a head teacher, the teacher, and then loads of kids in the school, and they all wore cabbages on their head, which we were having to make out of paper mache because school. (laughs) And I had been given the part of, like, Miss Phipps or something like that, the teacher. And Mark Pacey had been given the job of being the head teacher... Uh, who was referred to in the script as just the head. And somebody else had been given a part of John, one of the students. And we were all sitting there running our lines in the playground at lunchtime. And Mark Pacey, who did not want to play the head teacher, said, Oh, I don't want this part. I want John. I want John. And I said, Well, I want head. I want head, but Miss Tipper won't give it to me. <laughs> they laughed for 45 minutes. <laughs> I did not know what was funny about it. (laughs) All I remember is Mark Pacey saying, I don't think she could give it to you. So he didn't really know what head was either. (laughs) Maybe he thought it only referred to a blowjob. So these are the things I wish I'd known. Is there anything that you would like us to know, Lynn, about your book or about vaginas? Because if we are cis women or other people with vaginas... I feel we're massively undereducated. Is there anything you could tell us?
7: Well, there's loads. and I, I think, mean, we you can know, buy the book to find can, out the whole thing. We can buy thing. the book, yeah. Um, but the, the clitoris extending inside the body is a big one. And I think then <laughs> how a lot of women orgasm is also a big one, you know, um, in terms of it not... Especially, I think, for straight women having penetrative sex with men. And I think that when people first start having sex they feel like they should orgasm when the man orgasms and I think obviously as you get older you realize often that's not happening and so you sort of educate yourself but I would like for people to know that earlier and to know that you know two-thirds of women uh, require direct clitoral stimulation to orgasm or find that that makes their orgasms better it and does.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. I've never thought that. I've never thought I have to orgasm at the same time as a man. Why do people think that? they do? Mentally, they don't they? Yeah, I think like, it's ah, TV, and Yeah, films, and I think yeah. even
7: I spent years thinking that I should be orgasming at the same time as the man, or certainly kind of
0: from pretending the same to, act, if yeah. you know what I mean, yeah.
7: rather than. You know, there might need to be different acts. Uh.
0: The reason I've never thought I should orgasm the same time as the man is because I can orgasm so many more times than the man. And so he can only do it once. <laughs> a cis man can only orgasm once and then he has to wait for like 25 minutes like it's a train or something like that. But <laughs> so, oh, that one's left the station now. Now I've got to, oh. Whereas we could, just, we could just keep going and, going and going and going. And I know that's not true of all women or all cis women, but I certainly... You're very lucky. Yeah, I can orgasm as many times. What about as I want.
7: ejaculation? <laughs> well, yeah, it's that's female. A, that's a controversial one. But uh, is it just we? Yeah, I, I don't think there's a consensus. And I think that, actually, what I discovered loads with this book is that there's not a consensus on loads of things. Female ejaculation, the G-spot, these are all kind of still mysteries because the female body or, you know, the... This, the the, yeah. the
0: vagina-holding body exactly. is a mystery. It's
7: still a mystery to lots of people. Is it
0: because we haven't bothered to do any research because it mainly pertains to women? Exactly. Oh, 100%, there you go.
7: bingo. That'll be it. Yeah. Uh,
0: that'll yeah. be it. But we know a, bit, a lot about the penis.
7: Yes, we do. We know much more about the penis. Oh, um, do we? we yeah. do. We
0: do. Is that yeah. the case? Okay. And male
7: pain, uh, sure. As opposed to you know, oh, yeah. you know we we yeah. know very little about very period little pain. Very little about period
0: pain. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We what know about very the about Nothing. Yep.
7: Yep. 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 We, Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think most people don't know, you know, the basics of. I keep going on about this, but that the clitoris
0: extends inside the body. Uh, I
2: think, you know, if there's one thing you yeah.
0: take from this, yeah. it's just behind your ear. Okay, it starts there, works as well. what do you need from us in terms of level up and sex education? Firstly, just what do you need us to know and what do you need us to do?
6: Um, need you to know that the sex education curriculum isn't in force yet, so you need to sign up at www.welevelup.org and follow we the campaign. Welevelup.org. Welevelup.org, and get ready. I think there's a silent majority of people that want modern sex and relationships education, and we need to be ready to speak quite loudly over the very vocal minority of people who, like the Church of England, said that celibacy should be taught as a contraceptive method. That was their, That was their submission to the consultation. <laughs> I mean, it does work.
1: <laughs> so does being a lesbian, to be honest. Yeah.
2: It's
1: yep. great contraception. Yeah. 100%. 100%.
0: Um, so. Susie, what do you need us to know, and how do you need us to help?
5: I need everyone to know that young people should be at the front of designing this new curriculum. Otherwise, we're going to end up with another outdated guidance, which... Unfortunately, you know, for the next 20 years, won't do much. You can help me out at Teaching the Talk on Twitter or Instagram. Check out the website, www.teachingthetalk.com. I'd love for some young people to come and join me. I'm kind of running it by myself at the moment, and it's just becoming really boring having my voice like over and over again. And, teachers, if you want help or you want to help me, get in touch i just want help from everyone basically <laughs>
0: great is there an email address so people can email yeah,
5: teaching the talk at gmail.com and if you go on the website there's loads of contact forms
7: great um, we'll
0: put that in the show notes teaching the talk teaching the and talk. what's the name of the book and where can we buy it it is called vagina a re-education and you can buy it wherever you buy your books Vagina, a re-education. Okay, great. Uh, We'll pick up that and we'll visit both of those websites and continue our collective sex education for our generations and the one coming up. A big round of applause to Kara Sofoko! Lynn Enright! And Susie Bolton! You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Brunson's wife, guest co-host Deborah Stan, our very special guests, Carissa Sofoco, Lynn Enright and Susie Bolton. The recording engineer is Chris Sharp. Music is by Mark Hodge. The producer is Tom Sininsky for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Zoe, Jacob, Sally and everyone at Keem Space, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit GuiltyFeminist.com. <laughs> get out of work they've got a bad headache they've got a baby and they forgot they got to five o'clock <laughs> no people forget all the time they i book... don't know sometimes people just hope it's cancelled don't they because they're knackered hope the baby's cancelled <laughs> no, the, the show they we hope the, the, the show's cancelled. nobody's ever hoped the guilty feminist was cancelled
1: everyone goes to, you book a show don't you and then you book it in advance and then you think you get to the day and you think I wouldn't mind if it was cancelled don't you just think i i'm think... the only one come on <laughs> you don't tell me you've ever had been out for a night and then and if someone had gone it's not happening you wouldn't have gone oh sweet i just don't
0: know.
2: <laughs>
1: put my feet I don't up think... have a cheeky glass of wine talk about stories. no right? i
0: i've never thought that i've only thought that about my own shows in edinburgh towards the end of the edinburgh festival if someone said the venue's on fire